if you have a Bible, uh, I invite you to open it to Romans chapter number 15. Romans chapter number 15. Uh, We have started several weeks ago now a new series titled This Is Us. Uh, We've been spending and will continue to spend several more weeks talking about who we are as a church. Kind of this idea of what is the purpose of First Baptist Church, Saltillo. Uh, I don't know if you've ever wondered, wondered at churches you've been at, or maybe even this church, I don't know if you've ever thought this question, uh, what should churches be doing, or what should the church that I'm a part of, uh, what should it be doing, what should it be trying to accomplish? And so that's kind of the, the main gist of what we want to talk about. We want to talk about our mission here at First Baptist. It is extremely simple, and it's what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter number 28 when he said that we need to make disciples. As a matter of fact, this is our mission statement here that we exist to glorify God by making disciples in Saltilla and throughout the world. Now listen, this may be catchy and clever. If so, I I hope that you agree with that Uh, because I didn't make this up and neither did anybody else at this church make up this statement. This is directly from the mouth of Jesus. He has commissioned us to make disciples. So the question for us is now this, What is a disciple and how do we partner with Jesus to make them? I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before, uh, money doesn't grow on trees. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, we wish that was the case, right? But that doesn't happen. Well, you know, we could interchange that with disciples. I don't know if you know this, but in the backyard of churches, disciples are not just growing on trees. Doesn't just magically happen. There's got to be intention. There's got to be strategy there. It's got to be a purpose behind what we're doing to make disciples. Well, here is our simple disciple-making strategy. We want to help people follow Jesus, grow together, serve others, and multiply disciples. Now you say, Danny, why do you keep saying this phrase? Well, it's because I want you to get used to it. This is going to be the definition of who we are. This is the intentional plan that we have to make disciples grow on trees in the backyard of our church. We want people coming together, being more like Jesus, and leaving this place ready to change the world and make more disciples. Now, last week we talked about the first part of our strategy, and that's just simply following Jesus. We desire, we, we want, to help people begin and maintain a growing relationship with Christ. You can't be a disciple of Jesus without following him. But listen, this week, I want us to think about the next part of our disciple-making strategy. I want us to talk about the importance of growing together, how spiritual growth happens best through accountable relationships with others. Matter of fact, I have a picture of a redwood tree this morning. I wanted you to see, uh, just in case you're unfamiliar with what they look like. There were lots of different options of choosing a a picture. I wish I was in it and I could tell you that I've actually been there. Anybody seen the redwood trees in person? Okay, yeah, a couple of you lucky folks out there who have gotten to do that. I want to do that um, at some point in time. Uh, This is a redwood tree. Now, redwood trees are extremely fascinating. You may be thinking, Danny, why are you showing us a picture of two children hugging a big tree? Well, the reason is because I don't know how much you know about redwood trees, but... um, 
one of the things that's interesting about them is that they are almost as old as dinosaurs. Now, I know you could have the conversation of new creation versus old creation. Some of you out there may be dinosaurs don't even exist. That's some kind of government scam, right? I don't know where you sit on dinosaurs, but according to scientists, redwood trees are fascinating because they're almost as old as dinosaurs. Also, they're the largest living things on earth, and they are the tallest trees in the world. They can be over 360 feet tall, and some are more than 2,500 years old. They only exist on the Pacific coast. However, they capture more carbon dioxide from cars, trucks, and power plants than any other tree on earth. Redwood trees, their bark can be a foot thick. It contains tannin, which protects the tree from fire, insects, fungus, and diseases. Now, what's interesting about that is there's no known insect that can destroy a redwood tree. Fire's not a threat because the trunk is so thick, there's so much water inside the tree, and it doesn't, uh, the bark doesn't have any flammable material like pine trees do, so therefore they are pretty much indestructible. Now, a lot of interesting things about redwood trees, okay? Most fascinating thing to me is this, though. You would think trees this large would have a tremendously deep root system. You would think they reach down hundreds of feet into the earth because those trees are hundreds of feet above the earth. But listen, this is not the case for redwood trees. As a matter of fact, they have very shallow root systems, some of them no deeper than six feet, right? How can something 300 plus feet above the earth only go six feet deep and not fall over every time the wind blows? This is extremely surprising because of how large redwoods are. However, there's only one reason why these trees can grow so large and still be so sturdy. It's because their roots are intertwined with the roots of all the other redwood trees. In other words, they're tied in with each other, interlocked, so that when the storms come and the winds blow, the redwoods still stand. With an interlocking root system, they support and sustain each other forever. Okay, not really forever, but for thousands of years, okay? And he said, Danny, that's interesting about redwood trees. Why are you telling us this? Well, it's pretty simple. Our lives are no different than how God created the redwood trees. For us to be able to grow to the potential God desires and to stand against the great difficulties that we experience in this life, we too need to be intertwined with other believers who are longing for the same goals of satisfying God. They say, Danny, you said what we need to do is follow Jesus. A hundred percent. A personal relationship with Jesus is a must. But listen, this, this is what Paul was talking about in Colossians 2 when he wrote these words. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. It is obvious and apparent that our roots need to grow down deep into Jesus. But I want you to picture this. He doesn't just want us to grow down deep. He wants us to grow wider through our relationships, not just with him, but with others. Matter of fact, I read this recently. In the Bible, relationships are the context and environment for discipleship. It was the way of parents and many leaders in the Old Testament. It was the way of Paul and the apostles in the New Testament. But most important, it was the method of 
Jesus. I mean, think about his example for just a moment. He didn't choose one person to carry on the mission of the church. He grabbed together 12 guys, and even a larger group, if you think about all those who followed him and were present when he gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he knew the impact of relationships and the need for community. As a matter of fact, we could look at all sorts of different verses throughout the Bible that deal with this important topic, biblical community. Why are there so many? Because that's how important it is to God. But I want us to take a few minutes. I want us to look at a discussion that the Apostle Paul has with the church at Rome because I think, from my perspective, it gives a great picture of how we should grow together. This is in Romans chapter 15. I hope at this point you're there. I'm going to start reading in verse number one. You go there with me. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now what's interesting about what Paul writes is that He's been challenging the church at Rome to love each other and grow together even in the midst of their differences. As a matter of fact, the context of Romans 13 through 15 is a great place to wrestle with how people who have different opinions and preferences can still serve Jesus in love and unity. But here's what I think. This is, in, in Romans 15, these first few verses, this is one of the greatest moments to understand how God desires to use each of us to grow together. We obviously need a personal relationship with Jesus, but are there ways that we grow together that can't happen on our own? Well, I think this is exactly what Paul's talking about, and I think we learn the answer to this question from what he wrote. As a matter of fact, I want to show you a couple of things couple of important things that Paul points out about community and the need to grow together. Here's the first one. Everyone needs a place to belong. Everybody. I don't care where you are, what stage of life you're in, everybody needs a place to belong. I think this is the concept all throughout what Paul's writing in these verses, and even in the larger context of Romans chapter 13 through 15, I think he's writing about a need for belonging, a need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. As a matter of fact, if you look back at it, this is why I think he writes things like he did in verses one and two when he wrote, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with, see that phrase? Bear with the failings of the weak. We need each other. And not to please ourselves, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, right? It's not about me. We need 
each other for this life. This is why he'd go on to write in verses five and six, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, right? There it is, the the one another factor. In accord with Christ Jesus that together, see that? There it is again, a place of belonging. You may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think he sums it up in verse seven when he penned these words, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I really think Paul's helping us understand one of the greatest truths about disciple making. We were never meant to do life alone. It was never me against the world. I have always been created to do life with others. God's wired us, he's created us, he's designed us for community, both with him and other believers. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, just think about a few simple ways that we can know that we were created for biblical community just from the context of the Bible. Now, you may not think about this, but God himself exists within perfect community. His natural state is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not here to get in a discussion about the Trinity, but we worship a triune God who in his very nature exists within perfect community. If he creates us out of his own nature, he creates us inwardly with a need for community from the same place in which he exists in his eternal state of perfect community. If that's not confusing enough, God also created Adam and Eve. He wanted a relationship with Adam and he wanted Adam to have a relationship with Eve. Do you know that in the, in the, uh, the, the account of creation of man and woman, there is no need for another human being other than God doesn't want Adam to be alone? Did you know that? It was just God and Adam, a relationship together until God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. Or what about when God created the nation of Israel to be his own people, right? We read about it all throughout the Old Testament. It's a picture of the community that God desires with us and that he has made for us with others. What about when God redeems all of mankind through a relationship with Jesus? By the way, us and him, perfect picture of community. If you still don't get it, how about when God created the church, the community that we now have to help us grow together and spread the name of Jesus to the world? Obviously, we were created for biblical community. Our desire to belong is not a fallen nature desire. It is the perfection of God existing within perfect community that has been placed within us to desire a place to belong. I love how Jesus points to our need for community. When someone asked him, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, our relationship with God. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's obvious that God's painting a picture that we are wired for community, not only with him, but with others. I don't think any of us can or will deny this truth. But think about this. Have we ever really thought about how important we are to each other when it comes to our own personal faith with Jesus? 
Listen, and if we know this truth, if we know that we need each other, not just because it makes life better, but we need each other to become more like Jesus, then why is it that so many of us still try to live our lives on our own? I read some interesting statistics about loneliness from a study done several years ago. Here's what the researcher concluded. Loneliness is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is worse for your health than obesity. Lonely people are more likely to suffer from dementia, heart disease, and depression. Loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death by 29%. By the way, we all have a 100% chance to die. Why would you increase it by 29%? Now you say, Danny, why do these statistics matter? Because we weren't created to be alone. For anybody sitting in this room this morning who's experiencing loneliness, who doesn't have a community, who isn't belonging anywhere, can I tell you something? You have no excuse not to belong. You have no excuse to be alone. You say, Danny, why do I not have an excuse? Because there's a place for you here to belong. Everyone's looking for a place to belong. Everyone, followers of Jesus or not, are looking for a place where they are loved and accepted. As a matter of fact, when I was putting all this together, I didn't know that my mom and little sister would be here uh, hanging out with us this morning. And so I, I was thinking about... I was thinking about this idea of how we all want to belong, and to be honest, I was thinking of one of the many ways that I would pick on my little sister when she was younger. Now, just as a side note, any chance I get to pick on my sisters or any other human being to this day, I still do it. So I guess that's just the annoying little brother that is always within me, and I'm certainly not trying to give any ammunition to any other annoying little brothers in the room. But I thought about a moment from my past. My little sister was in the band when she was in high school. Now, there's nothing wrong with being in the band, so don't come after me uh, later, okay? It's great. Band is good. But one of the things that I would say to her, and probably all people in the band have heard before, was I would try to call her a band nerd to make her feel bad. That was like a negative comment from me to her, right? Like if she got under my skin or actually I just woke up in the morning, typically I would say something like, hey, you are a band nerd, right? Now what was funny was that what I meant as negative was really a badge of honor for her. You say, Danny, what do you mean? She loved being known as a band nerd. Why? Because that's where she belonged. That was her people. That was her tribe. That was her crew. She was a band nerd. And though I tried to make fun of it, she wore it as a badge of honor. And you say, Danny, I've never been in the band. Well, here's the truth. Every group has their version of this. Whether you've been labeled as a jock or a geek or a redneck, whatever the case may be, right? It was originally negative, but now it's where you belong. This is even true, by the way, with the word Christian. We are reading right now in our Bible reading plan through the book of Acts. You know what we will discover as we get halfway through that book? When the first people were called Christians, it was not positive. That was the way the world made fun of those who were following after Jesus. They called them little Christ. They made fun of them. Now we all call ourselves Christians, right? Everybody on the face of the planet is a Christian. It went from something so negative to something so positive, we now wear it as a badge of honor. Why? Because it's where we belong. 
Man, we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be encouraged and cheered on. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, I remember practicing some, some soccer with my, my oldest, Josiah. We were practicing, we were kicking the ball back and forth, and my youngest, Janelyn, she's sitting in the back of my truck, and she begins to cheer me on. She's like, go, Daddy, you're the best. Daddy, you're, you know, cool, Daddy. I don't know what she was saying, really, but she was cheering me on. She became my cheerleader. Now, what was funny was it didn't mean anything. We're just kicking the ball around in the yard. Who cares, right? But as she's cheering for me, it was funny because Josiah got mad. He got mad because there wasn't anybody cheering for him. He wanted somebody cheering him on too. Can you relate to that? Like we all want to belong. We all want people encouraging us. We all want people cheering us on. Now let me connect this. You ready? What better place than the church? What better place for people to be encouraged and loved and cheered on. This is why Paul wrote to remind the church at Rome, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Listen, biblical community happens at the intersection of Christ's acceptance of us and our acceptance of each other. If you're here this morning and you don't have a place where you belong, there's a place for you here. You belong here with God's people. I really don't know how people make it without a group to belong to. Let me move on though, spend a little time there, I apologize. Number two, I think there's something else that Paul shows us about our need for biblical community. Everyone needs a place to belong, but let me show you something else. Everyone needs a place to believe. This is why Paul wrote in Romans 15 verse four, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, don't miss it, encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I think the best reminder of what Paul's referring to as was written in the former days was written for our instruction. I think he's thinking back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's what is recorded. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These verses are famously known as the Shema. This is one of the most important texts for Jewish people. And by the way, it should be one of the most important texts for all of us today who claim the name of Jesus. Why? Because this is such a beautiful moment where God is highlighting how important the Bible is for every step of our lives. But I want you to notice, listen, they weren't just supposed to keep the things from the word, from the Bible to themselves. God wanted them to talk about them with others and to share them with others and to put them everywhere so that they could talk about them all the time. You say, Danny, why are you bringing this up? Because I really believe that we need each other, not just because we need a place to belong. You can belong to all kinds of different groups out there. 
What's different about the church is that we don't just need a place to belong. We need each other because we need a place to believe. Believe what? Believe the word. We need a place where we can look at the Bible with other people and understand what we believe and why we believe it. There's no better place for this to happen than with a group of people who want to follow Jesus just like you. Paul put it like this when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now just let that settle for a moment. Can you imagine what that looks like as a group of like-minded believers open up the Bible and read it together and say, this is what God desires from our lives. No more interpretation, no more confusion, no more making it whatever you want to make it. You now have a group within the confines of the Bible who say, this is what it looks like to live as Jesus desires us to live. Can you imagine the impact that that would have on the world and on us? individually. Listen, the word is good for salvation, for sanctification, for service. It's our source of knowing God deeper. This is why Paul would write to the church at Rome in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. To know God, for faith to be born, it begins with the word. Now, I was processing this, and I'll be honest. I was thinking about how I really don't know how I would make it in this life without groups of people who wrestle with scripture with me. As a matter of fact, I wanna give you a small picture of it from my own life. I believe small group biblical community is so important. I just wanna let you in on a little bit of what my week looks like. I have a small group that I never want to miss on Sunday mornings because we pray for each other and we study the Bible together. As a matter of fact, you may not know this, but most Sundays when I get up here, my mind is so clouded with scripture, I know that sounds weird, that I don't even know if I can preach what I had ready for this morning because I spent so much time with another group of people wrestling through other parts of the Bible that I want to get up here and I just want to tell all of you what we talked about. I don't know how people make it every day without that kind of group of people. Listen, I have a small group that meets on Sunday evenings that pushes me to be in the word and live it out daily. I don't know how I would do it without them. Listen, I have a small group that meets on most Friday mornings. They've become a source of encouragement to me. I don't know how people do it without them. I meet with our staff, another small group, every single week, and we pray and share what God's been teaching us and what we've been reading in the word. I don't know how I would do it without them. I look around and I see so many people who don't have a group where they can wrestle with things from the Bible. They don't have a place where they can belong. They don't have a place where they can believe. And I just wonder, man, what kind of growth is being stunted because you don't have a group of people who are around you pushing you beyond where you are. Listen, don't forget what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Verse four, look at it, verse, chapter 15, verse four, don't miss it. Through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
Man, we need time together in the Bible so that we might have hope, so that we can get through every day the way God desires. I can't even begin to list the amount of times that God has used someone else to help me better understand the word or help me better understand what God desires from my life. I may not have seen the verse the same way that somebody else did. I may not have been able to easily apply it to life as that person was able to apply it to life. God showed them something that he didn't show me, but when God has placed us together so that we can better grow in our faith, that's exactly what happens. We need other people, accountable relationships to help us grow. Now listen, let me push a little bit. You ready? Do you have a group that you meet with and study the Bible together? Do you meet with people who want to grow in the word and learn more about what God desires from our lives? Listen, I love my people, my tribe, my small group. I love hearing what God shows them because of how much it impacts me. I'm better because of the people in my life that are helping me grow. Hey friends, we all need a place to belong, but more than just friends, we need a place to believe, a place where we can wrestle with scripture and seek out God together so that we can know exactly what he desires from our lives. Do you have that? If you don't, we have a place for you here. We have a place for you to spend discussing what you believe and why you believe it all through the lens of the Bible. Let me show this last one. Number three is it, I promise. Everyone needs a place to belong. That is part of the importance of what Paul is talking about with biblical community. Everyone needs a place to believe. There is no doubt that we need to wrestle with scripture together because we help each other grow. But look at this last one. Everyone needs a place to become. Listen, I definitely know we need each other. I know that spiritual growth happens best through accountable relationships. You say, Danny, how do you know? Because that's exactly what God uses every single week in my own life. It's exactly what he teaches all throughout scripture. This is not a debatable fact. It is true that spiritual growth happens best through accountable relationships. There's no doubt that I need a place to belong, a place where people accept me and love me and welcome me. There's no doubt that I need a place to believe. I need a group of people who are willing to study the Bible together and help me know exactly what God desires, but we also need a place to become. You say, Danny, what do you mean? A place where people allow me to be transparent about my struggles, but will also hold me accountable to live my life like Jesus. It's such an incredible thing when you have a group of people who love you enough to let you cry on their shoulder, but love you enough to then slap you out of it and say, go do better, right? It's like, hey, I know this hurts, I know this is real, I'm gonna cry with you, this is a struggle, but we're not meant to stay here. Instead, let me bear with you. Let me put my own life aside so that I can build you up. That's what Paul's talking about. Let me help you rise from the ashes, right? Let me help you go from that brokenness to being built up the way that Jesus desires. Friend, if you don't have that, I don't know how you're making it on your own. Look back at verse six in Romans 15. Paul wrote that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he doesn't say alone. He doesn't say by yourself. He doesn't say, good luck, I'm throwing you out there to the wolves, I hope you make it. No, no, the good news is he's throwing you out there with other people to the wolves, all right? You're not alone. He says together. 
you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One thing I've learned over the years is that when we're left to ourselves, we tend to not follow through. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but one of the best examples from my life has been the invention of online classes. I know for some of you, those days were a little while ago and online wasn't even a thing, but there are many in this room who have taken online classes and will take online classes in the future. I'm gonna tell you, for the teachers who love it, I'm sorry, but I hate online classes. Can I tell you why? You may not know this, but every student you have that's taken an online class is behind. They are not where they need to be. You wanna know why? Because some bright person out there said, let me take one student on their own and put them on an island and tell them to do all these things that nobody wants to do, and I'm just gonna expect that they're gonna bring all of it back done. All right, I don't know how that sounds in your mind, but here's what student Danny Boudreaux does. Oh, I've had six months to do that and I've done nothing, right? Like, I don't know how you people who love online classes make it work, but I am terrible because there's no accountability that a classroom and a meeting together offers. I look up one day and realize that everything's due and nothing is ready to be turned in. Listen, this is how it can be when we don't have other people in our lives pushing us and reminding us of what needs to be done as we live for Jesus. I don't know if you're the same way, but I really believe that we all need other people to push us and remind us of the work that God has called us to do. Could you imagine? You imagine what would happen if the people of God started to study the word of God and seek out the will of God in order to do the work of God and all that happened together. And on the days where you feel like doing nothing, somebody else carried you. And on the days where they felt like doing nothing, you carried them. Can you imagine what it looks like when there are days where you can't even walk, but there's so many people around you that they're just carrying you to the next place. And then there's other days where your buddy can't walk and that's all right because it's his turn to ride while everybody else carries him. Can you imagine how we would never get left behind and things would never be left undone and there would constantly be people pushing you to do what God's been asking you to do since the moment you gave your life to him but you've been doing it alone that you done forgot that the moment that it was told to you because there's not somebody with you saying hey we can do better man if that's you I don't know how you've been making it on your own man listen the writer of Hebrews said and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works Paul said to the church at Galatia bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ listen to what John wrote from the mouth of Jesus he said and this is judgment this is in John chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 and this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. You know what happens when we're left to ourselves? We find those dark places to hide. You know what happens when we got other people in our lives? They don't mind shining the light into the darkness that needs to go away. I don't know if you're like this, but I will find the dark places and I will hide in a corner and I will act like nothing's going on. And if you don't check on me, I won't check on me. But you know what? I don't let that happen in my life. There's too many people with flashlights that I've allowed to look into my soul and say, friend, don't let me be that guy. Don't 
Don't let me go to that place. Don't let me drift into that area. Don't leave me alone. Why? Because we were never created to be alone. Listen, we have a clear statement for this around here. It's called, we are better together. Listen, I can't stress that truth enough. I'm a firm believer in this statement. I will never be able to accomplish as much alone as I can with others. We are better together. Listen, have you been trying to do life alone? Have you been trying to follow Jesus without others to help hold you and push you forward? I truly don't know how people do life on their own, especially when God never created us to do it. Listen, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I need to intertwine my roots, my life with other believers because I've been trying to stand on my own and every little thing knocks me down. Can I give you some encouragement, friends? You can have that here. Listen, we want to help you become more like Jesus. We are unwilling to let you do life alone. You have no excuse because we're intentionally seeking people who want to become more like Jesus. You say, Danny, what is FBCS all about? We're here to help people follow Jesus through spending meaningful time with him daily. We're here to help people grow together through accountable relationships with others. So ask yourself this question, what's your next step in your discipleship journey with Jesus? Listen, you might be here this morning and, and, and Romans 15, 7 resonates more in your heart with a relationship with Jesus than it does with anybody else. Maybe you hear this phrase from Paul, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Can I give you some good news? If you're here and you don't know Jesus, he has invited you to come and see. He has welcomed you as much as he's welcomed me. I don't care where you are, how broken you are, what kind of sin you have in your life, what choice as you made just an hour ago. I don't care. Jesus knew it before he ever died on the cross for your sins, and he's still there with his arms wide open saying, I welcome you. Jesus longs for you to follow him. If that's you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you something? In just a few minutes, I'm gonna be back there in that lobby. I would love for you to come and say, Danny, I want to follow Jesus. How do I do it? And I'd love to take my Bible and tell you how you can give your life life to Christ today. Listen, maybe you're here this morning and it could be that you're not sure how to spend meaningful time with Jesus personally. You're like, Danny, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'll be honest, my next step is just figuring out how I spend time with him on a regular basis. Well, here's what I know. You can't do anything apart from Jesus. So here's what I'll tell you. If that's you, in just a few minutes, I'm gonna be right back there in that lobby and I'd love to take my Bible and several other resources that we have and say, hey friend, this is how you could spend meaningful time with Jesus every day single day. We want you to walk personally with him as he shows you how to be more like himself daily. But can I tell you something? It could be that you need to find a group to do life with because you understand, and really you already knew, that spiritual growth happens best through accountable relationships. Well, I've got some good news. We have a place for you to belong. We have a place for you to believe. We have a place for you to become more like Jesus. Why not find a group that will love you and accept you and encourage you? Why not find a group that will help you understand the Bible and know exactly what God desires from your life? 
why not find a group that will help you through the struggles and the shortcomings to become more like Jesus every day. You say, Danny, I need a group like that. I need people who will make me more like Jesus. Listen, you may be in every one of these categories this morning. Can I tell you something? In just a few moments, I'm going to be in that lobby, and I would love to tell you how you can follow Jesus. I'd love to tell you how you can spend meaningful time with him daily. I'd love to tell you about groups that you can connect with so that you can belong and believe and become. Can I tell you something? Disciples don't grow on trees. You can't continue to sit on your couch and hope that you'll be more like Jesus. No, no, no. It's intentional steps towards him. I don't know where you are. I don't know what your next step is, but I know he desires for us to take it this morning. So whatever that step is, you ask Jesus what he wants you to do next. He wants you to become more like him. How is he leading you to do that today? Let me pray for you. God, we love you and thank you. Jesus, you're awesome.